This story takes place about three years ago on a camping trip in the Yellowstone backwoods. I was camping high tech and brought a friend along who we will call Joel. We were given directions to the campsite by one of Joel's neighbors. We had been told that it was at the end of an unmarked dirt road. I don't want to give away the location. So his neighbor mentioned one road that we should not go down under any circumstances. He didn't tell us why, but we just figured that the road was unsuitable for a big pickup truck or something. He said that the off-limits woods would have a large tree leaning over the road, and that would be the can't-miss-it sign of the road not to go on. We kind of laughed it off and forgot about it in the excitement of the trip. No big deal. We began... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one, with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. A two-hour drive south, and came to the exit and began looking for the road. Once we found it, we turned and were met with a large tree that had fallen and was blocking our path. This was no big deal for us, so we threw some chains around it and pulled it to the side. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. With a truck. We drove for about three minutes before coming to the dead end where we would set up camp. We decided it would just be easier to set up right there on the road in front of the truck. Nobody would ever be back there anyways. We got out the gear and I began setting up the tent while Joel went out to gather some firewood. I was fooling with one of the joints on the tent. The sun was going down and it was beginning to get colder, which was an inspiration to focus on getting a shelter up. I then felt a presence behind me. I figured it was Joel walking around back there and I ignored the feeling. The feeling then turned to instinctive fear, forcing me to turn around. I saw the silhouette of a man standing next to a tree. Relieved, I thought it was Joel, so I resumed my work on the tent. I said don't sneak up on me like that dude, you scared the crap out of me. Did you bring the firewood? No answer. I asked again. No answer, he just stood there about 15 feet away and did not move an inch. At this point I was getting a little irritated that he was ignoring me and I finally shined my flashlight at his face to ask him again. What I saw truly horrified me. The man was not Joel, it was a very scrawny man about 5 foot 5 inches who was completely naked and had hair down to his feet. But it was his face, namely his eyes that scared me the most. He had the most neutral expression on his face, almost a curious look that in itself was enough to scare you shitless. But it was his eyes that horrified me the most. They were completely black, and looked extremely evil, pure evil, and almost unearthly. I could feel it looking straight through my soul and mind when suddenly, I saw all my memories flash by in my mind like a slideshow, and I could tell it was reading my thoughts. Then it happened. I felt the most awful feeling I have ever felt in my entire life, I can't even really describe it except that it felt like someone was trying to turn me inside out. This caused me to panic and I screamed at the top of my lungs. Jesus. The instant I said that everything went black. I woke up 7 or 8 hours later lying on the ground in the morning dew, the morning sun warm on my face. I sat up, looked around, and was relieved that it was now gone. For about 5 minutes my vision was very blurred and I had a splitting headache like I had been hit with a baseball bat, but I could not see or feel any marks on my head. There wasn't even a bump. Sitting there recovering from the headache, I suddenly felt that soul-wrenching feeling again, but this time I wasn't taking any chances. I threw all the gear into the truck and floored it out of there. 
I was gripping my Bible to the point of the pages ripping, I wanted nothing more but to go faster and faster out of those woods. The farther I got from the campsite, the more the feeling went away and the safer I felt. Before long I was driving north on I-75 heading home when it hit me. Joel! How could I have been so stupid? Where was he? Did he make it back to the main road? I was so upset and horrified that I was almost brought to me tears. I kept asking over and over in my head, how could I have been so careless? I actually drove 5 or 6 miles debating with myself between turning around and going back or just calling the police to report a missing person. I had to do the right thing. I turned my old Dodge around and headed back south. When I entered the woods I noticed that the feeling was not there, whatever it was had left for good. The lack of fear gave me confidence, but I was not taking any chances. When I got to the campsite, I had my gun chambered and in hand, I began the search. For an hour I looked and looked, but I simply did not feel that he was in these woods. I left for the final time and went home completely exhausted and emotionally drained. The police were notified the same day, and there was a three-day search before he was found about a mile from the campsite. He had been completely decapitated. There was no murder weapon ever found. I was upset to the point of self-harm when I heard the news, because at the time I was blaming myself. I know now that it was not my fault, he was killed the night I saw the thing in the woods, and I believe that he was killed by the thing. I know now that I was his next target, but I believe that the Lord protected me that night. Turns out I had taken the wrong dirt road, it was the very road that the neighbor had told me not to go on. To this day the case remains unsolved, and of course, I don't expect they will ever catch the thing that killed him. This happened today while on a hike. My friend and I decided to climb to a lookout point in a forested area here in Yellowstone National Park. It was raining today and slightly chilly so we had a feeling we would be alone today and not run into anyone. In order to get in we had to drive on a one-lane dirt road that's meant for off-road vehicles. It had rained earlier in the day so the road was all muddy and we could see that no one had been there for a while. Once we were deep within the bush we set up camp and had a lunch over a fire. After lunch we decided to climb to the lookout point to see what we could see in the fog. The view was obscure in the fog so we didn't get to see much but you can get a sense of altitude we were at. It was raining on and off throughout the day so we decided to call it a day and head back to camp. On the way down we decided to take a different route so that we could explore some new areas. As we were walking down we paused for a second to verify with the GPS if we were on the right path down. When off to the left side of me, near my friend was a deep throaty growl. It was loud and deep and sounded very close. With the fog and heavy bush we couldn't see what was making the growl but it was scary so I withdrew my knife and asked my buddy if he heard it. He confirmed that he heard it as well and grabbed a log as a weapon. My friend couldn't pinpoint the direction of the sound so he wanted to backtrack, I decided that we should continue but watch our backs as we retreated. A bit later we got to a clearing where we felt safer since we could see around us farther and that when I felt my heart pounding and stomach churning. My friend mentioned how his legs felt like jelly and he almost shed in his pants. 
We didn't get to see where the growl had come from but concluded it may have been a mountain lion. During this time thoughts of the recent killing by coyotes was in my mind. I tried searching through sounds clips of animal growls on YouTube and the closest thing I came up with was a wolf growl without the barking aspect of it. The mountain lion clips I heard sounded a bit too high pitch. I attached a picture of the view from the lookout point. The location of the growl was down in the bush when we were on our way down. I have gone hiking and camping alone since my childhood. I've had some interesting experiences. Most of them good. Some a little scary, but nothing that would keep me from going out alone. I'm comfortable in the wild. I welcome the wolf. I respect the bear. I have a healthy fear of the cats, but really love the rare occasions I see one. There is however one place I won't go alone. I was 20, living in a small college town on the front range of the Yellowstone. Went for hike up the canyon west of town to enjoy a little solitude and mother nature. Spotted a nice rock formation protruding from the dense pines near the top of the canyon wall. Took a while but it was a nice cool hike among the trees. The forest was very quiet. I saw well-used deer trails and found warm deer scat. I saw bear scat and scratches on trees. A kill site where a mountain lion took a deer. Old enough that coyotes had gotten to the remains, but clearly cats were in the area. I settled into a little cradle formed by the rocks. Had a cigarette and drink, planning to wait a while for the local fauna to forget my presence and go about its business. I couldn't get over this feeling of being watched. It seemed somehow different than the times I've been around big cats or bears. Played the waiting came for about 45 minutes. Being completely still. Staring blankly into the woods allowing my sense to be open to the smallest sign. Nothing. Just eerie silence. And that feeling. Since my watcher wasn't in any hurry to give up their identity, I decided to change tactics. Drawing my bowie knife I sprang to my feet. Hearing the slightest whoosh from the ridge above, I turned just enough to catch a shadow with the corner of my eye. Cautiously and quietly I pursued the form. Catching fleeting glimpses here and there as I followed it to the top of the ridge. No color or definable shape to give its identity. No tracks left in the soft dark muddy ground. Just shadow. The top of the canyon wall opened to a small clearing and the remains of a turn-of-the-century cabin. The shadowy form disappeared into the structure that was still standing. There was an old iron stove and part of a stone chimney. Collapsing walls of decomposed logs sitting on a crumbling foundation. I circled around giving a wide berth to where I could see inside. There was nothing. Slowly I approached and went inside. As I stood in the skeleton of that old cabin the feeling of that unseen presence being somewhere out there, changed to a feeling of it being all around me. I put my knife away believing it was no bear or lion that stalked me. And then I ran like the wind. I have backpacked in the Yellowstone for over 40 years. I have felt the hair stand up on the back of my neck a few times. Usually just before I see fresh mountain lion tracks. By far the weirdest thing I have seen in the wilderness, though, was back in the late 1970s not far from center. 
I was backpacking with two friends and we were camped on a ridge overlooking a wooded valley south and a little east of Yellowstone. It was not far from Main Mountain. Just before dark, my friends and I noticed a camp of approximately 8 to 10 people on the far side of the valley. About a mile or so away as the crow flies. They had a blue tarp erected and were standing around it. Suddenly they all seemed to realize we were looking at them, and went under the blue tarp. I remember all three of us thought that was really eerie, since we were quite a ways away from them, and in trees. We didn't think they could have seen us. We didn't think much more about it until it was dark. Probably around 10 PM or so. I looked across the valley and saw lights moving quickly up and down the valley. They appeared to be moving much more quickly than a person could walk, or even run through the trees and over the rough terrain. It was really weird. I remember one of the lights that came toward us seemed to be above the trees. It appeared to come about halfway across the valley toward us, then went out. We didn't hear anything, and it was absolutely quiet that night. None of us slept too soundly. I got out of my tent at first light, looked across the valley where the blue tarp was. And it was gone. Never did find out what those people were up to. But there were rumors around the area back then about cults, and weird stuff happening. Two-legged critters creep me out way more than the four-legged ones. Over the summer I was camping at the Yellowstone National Park at the tip of the point with my girlfriend, not an overly outdoorsy type. Middle of the night I wake up to some scratching and sniffing and stuff in our campsite. I'm listening, trying to figure out what it is when my girlfriend wakes up. She hears it and whispers to me nervously asking what is that. We hear it kinda mashing a water bottle, so it's nothing too tiny. I say, I think it's a raccoon, but I'm just making sure it's not a bear. And the second I said it I regretted it, cause the air mattress just starts shaking like an earthquake. In her mind any second some bear claw is gonna come ripping through the side of the tent. Never felt anybody tremble like that before, I felt really bad. It was of course just a couple raccoons snooping around pawing at stuff. 2. My dad grew up on a 92-acre farm in southwestern Michigan, about half fields and half forest. When he was early mid-teens, they were having some trouble with packs of wild dogs. His dad shot one once, but didn't bring it down. So my dad decides Hess gonna track it down and finish it off and for some reason decided to take a dinky little 5 round .22 revolver. While Hess crashing through the brush when all of a sudden he is literally face to face with a wild wounded St. Bernard. He said he unloaded that pistol point blank into that thing, and presumably ran like hell. He did finish it off though. My story is a bit of a mystery. I was a young teenager going on a rare camp out with my father. Let's just say he enjoyed city life. We were fishing with a small group of extended family. We had a small tent while the rest of our family had a big camp trailer. To top it off, my dad wanted to be a bit away from everyone else. We settled on the side of a small lake close to the Yellowstone National Park. Yellowstone have small lakes dotting all over, some are very hard to come by. This particular lake didn't require four-wheel drive, but we were the only ones there. 
That night we went to bed. My dad's legendary snore kept me up and alert. We used to joke that his snore would scare away most wildlife. And to be honest, it usually did. But this particular night, something was very different. While my dad was snoring away, oblivious to all this, something or someone crept by our tent. It was a slow, steady pace. The foot-slash-hoof-slash-paw fall sounded like small damp rocks squishing together. It had almost a crunch noise to it that you'd more often hear during winter. At first I thought it was other campers. I called out to them, only to hear the footsteps stop momentarily. After I got quiet, the steps would start again. They would slowly pace behind our tent, back to the lake's edge, and then back again. All of this while my obnoxious father snored his brains out, clearly indicating we were there and totally unprepared for a confrontation. I never found out what made that noise, but from that day on I never went camping with my dad without someone else nearby. When I was 23, 15 years ago, I decided I was going to go camping by myself up around Yellowstone National Park. There is a valley that runs off to the east of the lake halfway down, it's an old logging road mostly overgrown and washed out. I had walked in a number of times hunting coastal blacktail deer and bear, this was going to be a scouting weekend. I had a canopy on my truck and was going to camp in it and the Saturday was a beautiful day and I walked a large section of the valley and had gotten back to my truck around 6.30 pm and started making supper, not long after I started to get that feeling of being watched and that I wasn't welcome there. Now this is the west coast and the forests are thick and I was by the creek with lots of willows around my campsite about 50 away and surrounded by peaks. I built the fire up and finished supper and some more rye as I was starting to feel more uncomfortable. When I had shown up in the morning I had drug a lot of wood in from the creek bed so I had a big fire going and my 30-06 loaded and ready to go. As the night went on I was hearing noises from the willows around the campsite and thought it was just some animals but I still felt I was unwelcome. At around 9 I started to hear some bellowing from the hills around me now I have spent all my life camping and hunting in the bush, I have heard cougar mating calls, wolves and coyotes and I have never heard this, it was a deep yell and the closest I can describe it is like the sounds a gorilla makes. This went on most of the night and I was woken up a few times that night with sounds in the campsite of someone walking around. In the morning I got up and looked for tracks but it was all gravel and hard to make out. I spent the day hiking the valley again and I spent many more nights there with friends but never without a rifle and never with that feeling again or the howling. I suppose I will share mine. All of these events happened in western Pennsylvania where my family has land and where I grew up. I grew up in the woods and spent nearly all of my time out there digging bunkers or building bridges or whatever my boyish adventures got me into. Bottom line is, I knew my way around the woods and most of the animals it contained. That feeling you guys say you get where there is something wrong is for sure something I am quite familiar with. On some levels I think my senses are heightened in areas others lack and I can feel every movement and sound even if I am not looking around. I cannot explain it, but I can literally map out areas in my mind and see them and see where sounds are coming from. 
It is probably just insanity mixed with my photographic memory, who knows? But it is infinitely useful. So my brother and his friend and I are out in front of my dad's house standing in this giant grassy field. I was a young teenager and smoking cigarettes while we all crouched in this tall grass. We were talking about nothing overly important when we heard this god-awful shrieking-slash-screaming-slash-demon type sound. We all went dead quiet and I immediately stood up and shined my light towards the direction of the sound. We were all dead still with them peering over the grass level and me standing up dead still with my spotlight trained dead on where the sound came from. We stood there for what seemed like an eternity with nothing further happening. I turned off the light and got down to peer with them over the grass level. After only moments of looking, we all saw this human shape with glowing eyes. I was immediately up and shining my light right on the thing and it was just out of the light beam. I tried to move towards it a bit to get it into the spotlight's beam and it suddenly turned and ran through the woods like nothing I have ever heard. It honestly sounded like a two-legged animal running as fast as it could through an area I knew to be dense jagger bushes and small trees. That thing crashed through the woods and snorted slash screamed the entire way. Craziest thing I have ever seen in my entire life and I still have no idea what it was. We all saw the same thing, and that just makes it make less sense. Listening to it stomp through the woods and hit that creek full speed was terrifying to say the least. Second story was around the same time give or take a year or two. I was home alone and it was 11 pm or so. My dad was playing pool at a bar a few towns away and would be home in a few hours. I was sitting around listening to some music when I heard the most terrifying noise I have ever heard in my life. I turned the music off and listened to it for a few seconds before running for my dad's shotgun. I am not gonna lie, it sounded like hell had opened up and everything below was escaping right around the house. I scrambled to the back of the house which was the easiest to defend if need be. The noise got louder and louder as I got to the back door and there was nothing outside the windows that I could see although my visibility was limited due to the giant garage 10 feet outside the back door. I stood there forever trying to decide what to do and finally just opened the door and started looking outside. I could not specifically pinpoint the sound's location because it was everywhere around me. I looked around the sides of the house and garage and saw nothing. I turned on my flashlight and as I was putting it on the end of the shotgun, the beam happened to shine above me. There were hundreds of winged animals in the sky. They were everywhere. I want to say they were bats, but I think it was bats and or owls. I do not know if they were migrating or something, but man that was the most terrifying experience of my life right there. It literally sounded like all the demons in hell were yelling as they ran past my house. Last but not least is this little gem that happened on the Edinburgh University of Pennsylvania campus. When I lived there, I hung out with a pretty large and diverse group of kids that all liked to party together. We were all separated into smaller groups that hung out daily and we all met every week or more to party or hang out. We had our usual place to party which was a fire pit in the middle of the woods on the ROTC training grounds right off of campus. It was an awesome little place really as it was the most dense woods in the area and the middle of it was rather open as it was all pines and other tall trees with their middle branches removed. 
The outer edge of this couple hundred foot wide patch of woods was a natural wall of brushes and trees so it was awesome open while still secluded. Anyways, we had all decided to go party up there one night, so my small group of friends decided to go up and clean the pit up and rebuild it and remove all of the trash. While we did this, the other groups were letting everyone know we were going up there to have a small fire to hang out. After everything was all said and we were in the apartment getting ready, I started to realize that something was wrong. There were a lot more people with us than normal and some of them were already drunk. Me being underage, I decided that it was probably a good idea to go up with nothing but smokes on me. When we got up there, we all started drinking and talking. I kept looking past everyone on the other side of the fire because it just felt like someone was watching me. I sat there for 10 to 15 minutes trying to decide what I was going to do. I knew that something was watching me and I knew that if I left it was going to be on my own and it was a long cold walk back by myself. I waited for a break in the conversation and told everyone that I did not feel comfortable there that night and that it felt like someone was watching me. They all gave me a considerable amount of shit for it females included, but I stuck to my guns and left. As I was leaving, I felt that I was being followed as well as watched as soon as I got away from the group. I could no longer see the fire but I could still hear laughing and occasional yelling but couldn't make anything out. As I got to a place in the path that was a little more open I started to feel more and more uneasy. I decided to avoid the original path and follow a nearby wood line that opens to a large farm field with the road on the alternate side making a big three-sided box with the path, road and tree line. I stayed in the tree line for a few hundred yards until it was very open and I could see better due to the moon. I broke into a crouched run across the field straight towards the road and stopped once in the middle of the field to see if anything followed me. Nothing. I ran all the way back to the apartment and told my girlfriend about it. She told me about the half dozen cop cars parked in a sneaky place no more than half an hour right near the entrance of the path we all walked up before they got there. I immediately called my friends at the fire and they never had a chance. They said as I called them, the police all stepped out of the woods surrounding them and yelled not to move. Apparently, I forced the cop's hand by leaving and they were following me. They told my friends that they had been watching us from the shadows for a while and that they had followed me after I left so they could detain me so I couldn't warn the others when I saw the cop cars at the end of the path. Getting off the beaten path saved me some hassle. Went hiking yesterday in the desert with my wife and my dog Duke as we do two or three times a month. I have mentioned my dog before and how we use him as an early warning system to let us know if there are mountain lions around or the occasional person we run across in the back country. Duke is very good at this and by keeping an eye on him he lets us know what is going on around us. Anyway, we went hiking up a wash and eventually came to the remains of an old cabin with a cement floor. Really, the only thing left was the floor and the chimney, an old refrigerator now all shot up in a stove. The cabin was set on a low bluff above the wash and as we approached we noticed a basement of sorts under the cement floor, the outer walls of which were of concrete. The doorway to this basement was only about 4 feet tall and the door was missing. It was dark inside. 
I mentioned to my wife that we should be careful as it would make a perfect den for a cat, lion. I pulled my sidearm and stood to the side and called my dog. He came up, took one look at the door and backed away several feet. After several tries I got him to go inside. He took one step in, turned to the right peering into the darkness for a moment, and then turned and ran out. Since I carry a flashlight my wife said are you going to try and look with your flashlight? I took one look at the door, and my retreating dog and replied no, I'm not going in there. I do not know what, if anything was in there, but I realize how stupid I was to go up to the door, even with revolver in hand, Colt 45, since as mentioned it would make an ideal den for a mountain lion. Sometimes we do foolish things and are lucky enough to survive without incident. What was in there? I don't know, and I doubt I will ever find out. 1. I had decided to camp in a very isolated area in Yellowstone, about 60 miles from the nearest town. I had just set my camp up in the dark, as I had left home in northern Wyoming kind of late in the day. The night was clear, very cold, and still. I was tired from the seven-hour drive, and decided to crawl in my sleeping bag to get some sleep. All of a sudden, I heard a loud thump on my tent. It scared the heck out of me, as I couldn't imagine anyone else being out in the middle of a cold Wyoming winter night. I was about 20 feet from the nearest tree, so a pine cone couldn't have hit the tent, plus it was dead calm. The next morning, I got up and made search circles, starting from my tent, and going outward for 500 feet. There were no tracks in the snow, no stones, pine cones, or anything, anywhere near the tent. I was in prime bobcat trapping country, so at first I thought the thump might have come from a disgruntled trapper, from throwing a rock at me, perceiving that I was moving in on his trapping area. But no tracks, no rocks, nothing at all was found near my camp. The snow was 12 feet deep, so any tracks or rocks, etc., would have plainly been found. To this day I cannot figure out what could have hit my tent. Does anyone have any ideas as to the cause of the thump? It would be great to finally solve this mystery. Any help would be appreciated. I saw a mountain lion once, while mountain biking. I had seen many bobcats over the years, I it was apparent to me that this was a whole other animal. It was huge, not quite Great Dane-sized, but bigger than a German Shepherd. Although I was a good 100 feet from it, I could make out certain characteristics. 1. Huge tail. Thick and muscular looking. In proportion to the rest of the body. 2. When it turned and I saw it in profile, it had an obviously feline-type head, like a house cat but with a smaller head, proportionally, than a house cat. 3. I could see the sinewy muscles under his shoulder, and his legs were very thick, like a cat on roids. Maybe because his hair was so short, but he looked to be 100% pure muscle. 4. He was a dark color, unlike he tannish hues I see on cougars on TV and in print. He was in the shade, and that may have had an influence, but I was struck by his, I dunno, darkness. Maybe he was a sub-adult, but boy was he big. I observed him for a full minute before he sauntered off into the brush, unhurriedly. 
I was not about to follow. I never saw one ever again, but Bogan packing a disposable camera at that point forward. This happened on Sheep Camp Trail, west of Belmont, California, near the scenic vista off 280 that is a known hookup spot for the local married gay men. Oddly, I had seen two dudes getting it on very near that spot a few years before as I biked past. A couple of years ago, 2003, my friend, Archie, and his uncle, Matt, went for an overnight cruise on Matt's boat, like 20 powerboat, big enough to have the sleeper on the front, along St. Mary's River, between Lake Superior and Lake Huron. Matt has his native status card so the plan is to camp on one of the islands belonging to the reservation. The island they find Matt knows a little history on. In the ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com It was given to the reserve about 40 years ago. All of the people who had cabins on this island pretty much had to pack up and leave. So they landed there around supper time explore some of the cabins which were in varying states of decay as they have not been touched since being vacated for the most part. Archie says the coolest thing he has ever seen was glass that has warped slash sagged with age. There wasn't any empty food cans, fresh deer kills, etc., as in other stories here. They decide, instead of staying in the boat anchored on shore, they'll just hang out in one of these old cabins. They find one quickly that has fared well, and no basement to fall into. So they fire up a little propane barbecue out front, roll out the sleeping bags and crack open some wobbly pops. After a good few, the sun has gone down and they both are getting ready to turn in, Archie looks out the rear window and holy crap, there are other people camping here too. Archie recalls very clearly seeing three people sitting at a healthy bonfire roughly 40 feet away near the next cabin. Even the lawn between here and there is somewhat kept. Archie and Matt decide they better go say hello. They walk out the back door. Into almost chest-high grass and complete darkness, no bonfire in sight. Friend of mine and I were watching for illegal aliens one night in the San Pedro River in southeast Arizona. We had a thermal camera with us and we were stationary on the river. I had the camera and was scanning around when I noticed a little cat. It is not uncommon to see all sorts of wildlife in the river so I just continued scanning. But, something bothered me about that cat so I scanned BCK and took a good look at the cat. 
Then I adjusted the settings on the camera so I could see the background terrain a little better and that little cat turned into a very large cat real fast. I told my friend to check it out. His reply was holy shit in whispers of course. I could hear him unsnap his holster right after I unsnapped mine. What happened next was out of an Animal Planet Dangerous Animals video. The mountain lion waded across the nearly empty San Pedro River right toward us. I had the camera back and was aiming my weapon using the camera. The cat came within 10 feet of us and then realized we were there and then hissed like a house cat on steroids. That was more than enough for me and my Springfield Arms XD.40 and it started spitting fire and lead. My friend was screaming what the F. What the F is his Taurus 9mm started barking. I watched the cat run into the darkness but I was sure I had hit it at least once with my first round. We hiked in the direction that the cat fled and found him with the thermal about 15 minutes later. It had expired at that point. We decided after all the gunfire that we probably would not see any illegals that night so we did away with light discipline and broke out the lights. The cat had been struck seven times and three times obviously fatal. One round had actually grazed the top of his head. It had only run about 30 meters but the underbrush was thick. We still did missions in the river after that but had one hell of a story to tell. While I was still in high school, some friends and I had gone to Yellowstone on a trip. I had brought my dog with me. It was a large American pit bull that we had rescued from some people who had been fighting him. So when we went to bed that night we had the dog in the tent with us. Around 12 or 1 am the dog woke us up growling. He was standing up looking out into the night and all the hair on our backs were standing straight up. As whatever it was moved around our camp the dog would turn and keep its front of the sound. After what seemed like forever but was only two to three minutes he laid back down and snorted and went back to sleep. The whole time it was happening the hair was standing up on the back of my neck. It turned into a very long night. It was sleep a while wake up and check the dog sleep a while wake up and check the dog, the dog slept good we didn't. Both these events happened when I was 15 or 16. I remember one time I was walking way out back of my parents' property, about a mile from the house in an old abandoned pasture. I was on top of the hill and could see across the valley to the other side. The valley was small so the other end was only about 300 to 400 yards away. As I sat there watching the forest line a herd of deer came running out followed by a huge brown animal to me it looked like a brown bear, but may have been a large stray dog or something. But we do not have brown bear here in Ohio. Needless to say it scared the crap out of me and I hightailed it back home. I didn't go outside for about a week after that. Another time I was hiking in an old overgrown pine tree nursery near the same area as my first story looking for deer antlers along a creek bed. I heard some commotion towards the top of the hill, and about 50 yards above me was a pack of coyote or wild slash stray dogs. I ducked down and slowly made my way back to the house. Thankfully I made it back safely. And another time I was down by our camping area we had usually bonfires every weekend during the summer. Anyway, I was just sitting there enjoying the sun, 
It was about midday and I heard a heavy footstep behind me and a huge grunt. The hair stood up on my neck and I jumped up and turned around. Thankfully it was just a couple of cattle that got loose from the Nebra's farm. LOL talk about scaring the crap out of you. Another strange experience happened when I was about 13 years old. Me and a friend of mine walked down to show Low Creek from his house, where we spent a lot of our summer days catching Gardet snakes, frogs, and horny toads. Well for some reason we decided to explore the woods on the other side of the creek. After walking down a faded trail for about 15 minutes, we could see a wall of rocks in the distance. This little cliff wall follows most of Show Low Creek next to the town, and suddenly this horribly potent smell of skunk and decay. We walked through the bush towards the cliff wall, and found a little cave. It was more of an indent in the wall than a true cave, but inside was a pile of dead skunks next to an old fire ring. We were kids so the whole thing scared the crap out of us so we ran back to his place and never went back. My husband had some friends in college who were a family of missionaries. Mom and dad had been missionaries and had come back to the states on furlough and so they could be near their son and daughter while they went to college. They had often had spiritual warfare type experiences. They lived out in the boonies in Virginia, and their driveway was about 100 yards long, twisty, curvy, and lots of trees. Where the driveway met the road, there was a convenience store. One night the daughter was on her way out in her VW bug. She left the house, and about 30 minutes later, they received a phone call from the convenience store at the end of the driveway. It was the daughter and she was crying hysterically. She had been driving down the driveway, in the dark, when she looked in her rear view mirror and saw gleaming red eyes in the back seat. Then she felt something pull her car backwards as she was trying to drive forward. We don't know much about what happened in the 30 minutes or so between the time she left the house and when she made the phone call, because she won't talk about it. What we do know is that when her family found the VW bug, it was wedged in between two trees one tree at the front, one at the back. There were no marks on the ground that would have been made if someone had driven or pushed the VW. They had to bring in some heavy equipment to get the car out. The Dyatlov Pass incident is one of the creepiest Ardor stories I've ever heard. January 28, 1959, 10 students from the Ural Polytechnic Institute in Solikomsk, Russia, set out on an expedition into the Ural Mountains, specifically, Otorton Mountain. Igor Dyatlov, the expedition's leader, promised to return by February 12, 1959. One of the team's members, Yuri Yudin, fell ill near Vizaj, the last city before the base of the mountain. The other nine went on, never to return alive. Yurdin awaited word from his friends. Dyatlov confided that they may take longer than the estimated time, so when no word came from the group on the 12th, no one worried. When no word had come by February 20th, however, the families of the missing expeditionists demanded a search. On February 26, 1959, the report came back. The tent had been found with two gaping holes in the side, 
big enough for people to crawl through. It had been cut from the inside. Evidence in the snow and tent indicated that the party had left in a great hurry, and were either barefoot or in socks. All of them had been dressed in just their sleepwear. All of them had run in the direction of the woods. Three of the bodies were found closer to the camp, as if they were trying to return. They were identified and determined to have died of hypothermia. Two more were discovered at the edge of the woods, also dead of hypothermia. One of the five had evidence of a skull fracture, but it was determined to be non-fatal. All of the bodies were noted as having an unnatural orange tan and all the hair being turned gray. Four remained unfound. The search continued for two months. Finally, in May, the other four were found under four meters of snow, which is about 12 feet. The autopsy determined that one of these four died of hypothermia. The other three, however, had some rather traumatic internal injuries. One had a crushed skull, the other two had crushed ribs, and one of those, still, was missing her tongue. Much more to read just search the Jotlov Pass incident. One of my more recent scary moments happened on the Holston River in Northrest, Tennessee. My wife and I were fishing for trout in the evening and watching the sun set over that beautiful river. Friends dropped us off and were picking us up after heading to the store for supplies. It was getting quite dark and I was about 100 yards downstream from my wife. It was still light enough we could see. I was fairly focused on where I was casting, hoping to find a good hole. I was facing downstream and all of a sudden I heard this loud whoosh whoosh sound upstream coming directly towards me. I look up and let out a woe. As I saw a heron right in front of my face, wings spread wide enough to envelope me, trying to land on the exact spot I was standing on. My wife, laughing her ass off, told me the heron was as spooked as I was. He let out a loud squawk. Right as I hollered and immediately veered off. I can imagine he landed somewhere downstream, shaking uncontrollably, muttering to himself about checking his landing better. Not as spooky as some of the other stories here as it is easily explained, but humorous, nonetheless. The weirdest thing I have ever seen was about 25 years ago when I was plowing in this field which was far away from the nearest house and way off the road. It was in the middle of the afternoon when I noticed a patch of blackberries while making a turn at the end of the long rows. Since I was in a hurry and trying to finish before dark I hadn't stopped for lunch and these blackberries were looking like steak to me so I hurriedly climbed down from the tractor and grabbed a handful and then continued back to the other side of the field. The next round heading back to the same end of the field the blackberries were on I noticed someone else picking berries. The closer I got I began to see that it was a woman in a dress with her back towards me not just any woman she was wearing an old blue hoop-like dress with an white apron over it and a huge bonnet on her head kind of like someone would have worn in the 1800s. I remember thinking how odd it was that someone would be that far off the road picking blackberries let alone dress that way. When I got within 30 feet or so from her she turned and looked at me and I swear her face looked like it was made out of a burlap sack like the old potato sacks and she had two big black buttons for eyes and a straight reddish-orange line for a mouth. 
It scared me so bad that I changed to the highest gear the tractor had and crossed back to the other side of the field wide open. Halfway back to the shop where I was heading to let someone know what I had just seen I met my boss in the road and told him what I saw. He laughed and told me that I was silly and said that he would park by the blackberries until I was finished. I did go back and finished plowing and never saw her again. I told my mother about it and she said it was probably the devil I saw being the wild teenage lifestyle that I was living at the time. I told my uncle what I had seen who had always told us kids these crazy ghost stories and he told this man years later what I had seen. Well just two years ago I ran into this old timer who asked me if there was any truth in what my uncle had told him since my uncle is known to stretch the truth. I told him what I saw and he said chills ran all over him because when he was a little boy he and his friends would walk down the then dirt road where this happened and that there used to be an old log house where an old woman lived dressed as I described blue dress bonnet and apron and that she was the meanest old woman who would chase them away from her blackberries with a pair of large shears. The old man could barely talk when I confirmed what my uncle had told him. He said that there was no way someone could have been playing a prank on me because there's not too many people who are still living that knew about her. I really don't believe in ghosts but if I had to say that I saw one this would be the one. I was at my friend's cabin on the coast of British Columbia. We decided to go diving 15 feet off the shore, looking for treasure in the rocks, we were just teens. We went on a few trips downwards, found a small dingy ripped in half and covered in seaweed. Disappointed, we went closer inland my friend took the first dive, one minute later he comes up screaming and speaking incoherently. We swim back to shore and he tells me he saw a claw coming up to grab him. He was scared shitless, so I go back and dive looking for the claw. After five minutes I find a eagle's claw sticking out of the rocks, Someone must have used it for bait I nearly froze when I saw the bloody thing. I have also found abandoned cabins, old outhouses and cow skeletons, there is an abandoned farmstead near my house which I would like to go metal detecting around, already found the chases of a Model T there, or what's left of it. I have had this happen many of times. I used to work third shift and would jog on my days off at night. About once a month, I would get in the gear, put the running shoes on and walk out the front door. Just to be faced with a very uneasy feeling. Basically turn around and go back inside. Do not go tonight inner dialogue. This has happened twice when I have been camping or on the way to camp. Both times I didn't wind up camping. A few times I have also got the WTF is going on tonight feeling and get the shotgun out. Turn on the floodlights and walk the property. Three times over the past year there were coincidental cars pulling off right when the lights came on. Another time the floods actually projected the shadow of a man's upper torso against the entryway wall. My front entrance is U-shaped. I closed the door, locked deadbolt and woke the wife to get her gun as well. By the time I was back at the door, a car pulled out that was parked in front of my next door neighbors. Turned out even though I live kinda out in the country, a gang from the 30 minutes away big city were targeting our neighborhood. About three cars broken into and a few home invasion attempts. Always be safe when you have a bad feeling. Even at the house.
Normally my two big mean dogs will pick up on everything and alert me, but sometimes they don't know. I always take a dog when we go camp and normally a pistol. The dog eases my mind more than the pistol though. Almost like a camp alarm system. I and a few friends were out one weekend last year. We harbored up in some woods near Boleskine Lodge, once the home of the now deceased occultist Alistair Crowley. People say it's haunted vacuous of an occult ritual that Crowley failed to complete. At about three we heard what I can only describe as horses shrieking only louder and more high-pitched, but the disturbing thing was not that it had scared the utter wits out of us all it was that we all had a sense of something was just not right at all. It was like our subconscious was giving us a warning run. We all just looked at each other and ran right out the woods and went back to the cars and went home we left all our kit where it was and none of us have ever went back into the area. June 22, 2009, I was alone in the middle of the desert, miles away from Big Dune outside of Las Vegas. All was well, decided to pitch a tent and set up camp, fire, all the good stuff. It got dark and I stayed outside the tent, it was still warm and all. It got dark, real dark out there, no moon. Out in the distance just over the hill maybe 500 yards. I saw a red light shoot into the air very fast, then it slowed down and hovered for a few seconds, then the light separated going in two directions over my camp, very fast, and then about 1000 yards. Away they rejoined, making a very large red ball, and disappeared into the distance. Don't know what it was, and I don't believe in alien piloted UFOs but that was the last time I'm ever sleeping alone in the middle of the damn desert. Back in the 90s was on a long birdwatching trip in Mexico. One place we went was deep in the jungle-slash-rainforest of the Yucatan Peninsula. When we arrived there after traveling a long, bumpy series of dirt roads in the back of a pickup truck, we hopped out of the truck bed, only to hear crunches and pops from the uneven ground under our feet. Giant scarab-type beetles were swarming in a mating frenzy, and there was not a square foot of ground in the village that didn't have a beetle lumbering around. Smashed beetles made a crunchy chitinous carpet all along the roads and paths. On the outskirts of the village, where we were staying, the beetle problem was not as severe, but the occasional one would land on your head and get tangled in your hair. They formed sparse clouds around the outdoor lights. We were told by the locals it was safe to roam about the local forest at night, as criminal activity was zero. We had no reason to fear humans, and it was unlikely the jaguars would come that close to the village. So, being dedicated bird watchers, we set out looking for after dark looking for owls and other night birds. All we had with us was our binoculars, a tape recorder for playback of the owl's calls, it brings the birds closer, and a single flashlight. The moonless night grew darker and darker as we left the village lights swarming with beetles further and further behind. Ahead of us, the entrance to the trail through the jungle gaped like a mysterious black portal to another world. Then we were inside an unseeable tunnel of vine-laden trees. There were the usual night sounds, insects and amphibians, but no tinamus, nightjars, 
or owls. We had to go further, 10 paces, 20 paces, with only one flashlight to light our way. We traveled more and more slowly, unspoken tension building all the while, as a child, everyone knows there are monsters in the dark, as adult we never really forget this, XI, suddenly, out of the pitch black came a hurtling presence that looked bigger than the biggest, blackest baseball ever, traveling up our flashlight beam, shrinking as it approached. It hit the flashlight lens with a smack, and we screamed, turned, and ran all the way back to our cabin. Eek, of course we knew what it was, but that made it no less creepy. We laughed about it, a lot, but never again went into the jungle at night. So what do you think it was? My friend who is all into prospecting and all told me this one. His cousin was out camping at the end of some fairly remote logging roads not that far from where I live. He pitched his tent and was sleeping. Around 2-ish, or 3-ish, he hadn't checked his watch, he gets up to use the bathroom. For some reason, instinct maybe? He grabs his rifle and puts in two rounds then heads out to the bushes. While out in the trees he suddenly sees light back at the camp. So he crouches down with his rifle across his lap and waits. Three guys are gesturing towards his tent. Two have shotguns, the third a bottle of alcohol. One of the guys says, we can just shoot him. No one will ever find his body if we hide it out here. At that point, he slips further back into the trees and waits for dawn. Come dawn he heads straight out, not bothering to grab his tent and sleeping bag and few bits of clothing and food. He reported everything to the police and went back with the cops, but his stuff was gone and they never found the guys. About 10 years ago when I was still basically a little kid I was walking around in the woods about a quarter mile away from my house and I found hair hanging in one of the trees. It was long brown and looked human. There was a dried bloody piece of skin hanging off it which I can only assume was a scalp. When I realized what I was looking at I distinctly remember my whole body going numb, a sudden rush of adrenaline. I ran home scared and didn't go back there until recently. I guess I should have said something to someone but it really just didn't occur to me until later. We never heard anything about any scalped corpses turning up so it have been something else. Right, right? I really don't want to think about a scalped corpse just sitting out in the woods near my house for the past several years. When I was younger, a few friends and I headed up into the Catskills for a weekend, and we stayed in one of the lean-to cabins that the state maintains. We sat by the fire until well after 2 a.m. talking, and then went to sleep. I had a hard time sleeping, so I sat against the back wall and watched outside hoping to see some wildlife. I was taken back as I saw the glow of a cigarette about 50 yards away. It did not move at all, and I had no idea of how long he had been there. I figured that somebody came in late, and set up camp over there because we had the cabin. About five minutes later, I saw a quick flame, and the ember of another cigarette. I had the strange feeling of being watched come over me. One of my friends who had not fallen asleep yet had the same eerie feeling. We figured this guy did not bring a tent, 
so we both decided to walk over and offer him some space in the cabin because of the rain we were supposed to get that night. I holstered my sidearm and we started walking over, never leave without it. We got within 20 feet, and the guy sprints off as fast as he could into the woods. Never saw or hear him again, but that definitely ranked a 10 on my weird-ass scale. One time when I was having a campfire out in my woods with some friends at night we heard a sound about 30 feet away that sounded like someone walking wearing very baggy jeans or track pants, like denim sliding along denim, it repeated in the fashion that it sounded like someone walking, except it was pretty loud, too loud to be from a human. Needless to say we were scared shitless. Some of the scariest times at night in the woods when I'm camping is waking up in the middle of the night and looking at the treetops, they look so ominous. Also that feeling of being watched happens to me very frequently in my woods, not other woods. It might be just because I suspect it to happen or because I'm pretty good at scaring myself but it's a really weird feeling that you just can't shake. I much prefer to be with other people when I'm in the woods, creepy shit is indeed known to happen out there. My dad had a friend when I younger tell us a story of working as a ranch hand for cattle ranch here in Florida. This was in like the 60s or 70s. As he told us the story all the hands were issued the basic stuff, wire staples, hammer and shovel and were to ride the fence and make repairs. The ranch foreman also handed him an old .38 revolver. He had been out for about two days and was setting up his camp for the night, just a bed roll and fire. It got dark and he had a nice fire, just relaxing before going to sleep. He was sitting by his fire and started to hear this low moan, snort kind of sound. It unnerved him as it was unlike anything he had heard before. The sound was getting closer and could hear a very heavy breathing, and a wet sound like something licking its chops and thrashing the brush. It finally bothered him so bad he took his revolver and fired six rounds at the sound. All was quiet for a moment and then he heard a huge thud. As he had no flashlight, he just reloaded the pistol and waited for daylight. When there finally was enough light to see he wandered down trail to see what was there. He said it was biggest damn steer he had ever seen, dead as hell. We asked what he did with it and he said, after a steak breakfast he went back to work, and never told a soul. The dark can really mess with you. Tonight I went for a walk 5 miles to the store with a friend who lives in a nearby city and has never been outside at night before. On the way back we decided to go through the woods directly to the back of my house when suddenly he says you hear that? I stop for a second to listen and don't hear anything unusual. I said I don't hear anything we continued walking but I started to wonder if one of the local gangs followed us. We go about 50 feet when he stops again and says in a slightly shaky voice you had to have heard that. In the trees. WTF? I looked up and before I could respond suddenly an owl whooshes by so fast all you see is a black streak overhead. It landed in a tree ahead of us and started saying who? Who? When it flew by my friend let out a yelp and fell to the ground. My sides started hurting because I was laughing so hard and I think he might have crapped himself. 
While living in Vermont I was paid to help a guy build a log cabin on some remote property he had purchased. He already had an old trailer there to stay in, and we added a log room 10 feet by 20 feet off the front of it. We built it strong and used squared logs for roof beams, and pressure treated plywood over that. We started working on the log cabin as soon as we finished the roof on the addition. Several times I would get the someone's watching me feeling, and the timber shepherd I had would cringe and stay close to me. I looked all around and never found any tracks, but there were a few deep streams at the edge of the property and I never crossed them. One May night we were just getting ready for bed when something big landed on the roof. The next thing we knew there was a weird howling sound outside and the dog was practically in my shoes with me. More crashes on the roof followed until I went outside and fired a few shots out into the woods with my 12 gauge. All was quiet for about two hours then it started again, and the thumps lasted until morning. When we went outside the next day there were dozens of rocks on the roof ranging from baseball size to microwave size, and several of the logs we had lifted into place on the cabin were tossed around like they were twigs. I collected my pay that day and never went back. I do not know what it was, but whatever it was did not like us building there. One time a few of my friends and I were camping out on the beach, being loud and having a good time. It was the kind of time where nothing would seem to phase you, but I became very alert and aware for some reason. It did feel like people were watching us. Couple minutes later I look out into the darkness dragging my cigarette. Then out of the black a pack of gang bangers walk up. The creepy part about that was they are all wearing black, and I could only see their faces when they were about 5 feet away. So they swarm us, and I get socked twice in the side of the face out of the dark. Obviously they were trying to knock me out and take my stuff. We booked it and left all of our gear. What a night. It's unfortunate firearms weren't allowed in state parks at that time. Another time some friends and I were out at a city park, it's a very rural old ranch house. The valley behind it was lit up with a purple aura. It was very unusual, who has purple lights big enough to illuminate an entire valley. It didn't even appear to have a source. Who knows what that light was, there's no way someone could have packed out lights big enough to do that and without a power source.